We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by Prize Picks coming at you Wednesday morning. It's January 24th, and I have Chris Hine from the Star Tribune here with me. We're going to squeeze in an episode here before uh, the Wolves start this back to back in Washington uh, and then Brooklyn uh, or Washington, D.C., and, and Brooklyn these next two days. Our next episode will be after the Brooklyn game. So Kyle and I will kind of recap the Wizards Nets back to back and that one this episode uh with Chris I guess we have to dedicate uh more more time to that Hornets game which uh, <laughs> uh is 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 one thing to do but Chris you were just we're recording this right after um uh Wolves shoot around in yep. in DC you were there and I guess my curiosity and I would assume many other people's curiosity is like what was the vibe uh, this has been a team that's like pretty quickly turned the page. Um, as Dilo always said, never too high, never too low. What was it like this morning? Like that was about as bad of a loss, right? As they've, yeah. as they've had all season. Uh, what was the vibe? Uh, what did you get from the guys you talked to? Um, talked to Rudy and Nas. And, you know, I think the, the vibe, especially from those two, you know, you're going to get a lot of uh, reflection on how the team did right. as a whole. So, there's definitely a sense that we got to move on from this uh, quickly. Got to learn. We were immature. Finch was right, you know, with his post game comments. Who's you know, just kind of telling it like it is, um, you know, like all the, all that stuff. The, disgusting. Said the right things. You know, Finch was seemingly in a good mood. Um, you know, like listen, it's it's, an, it's the NBA season. Um, ter- worst loss of the season. But you do have a game tonight, and yeah. you know you can't let it linger. You can't have that hang over your head, mm-hmm. and just affect how you're going to perform moving forward. Because if you do that, then yeah, it's gonna it's gonna really have an effect on your season. Um, so I think you know as much as it, it, it stung and it, and it stunk, um, you've got to be able to move on, both as a team and maybe as a fan base. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Yes. Um, the nugget that came out uh, from mm-hmm. the Timberwolves PR staff yep. from this morning was Mike Conley now uh, 
added to tonight's injury report with uh, illness. He's listed yeah, as, we, uh, as questionable. So, so funny, funny, funny story about that. So uh, John is on the trip. John Krasinski is on the trip. And so we, we both kind of uh, ahead of time wanted decide we both wanted to talk to Mike at shoot around today. So we make the request to the PR staff yeah. <laughs> and then the PR staff comes up to us and is like, yeah. So about that. About that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we're going to be, we're going to be saying that Mike is questionable with an illness here. Uh, yeah. Mike was not at a, you know, Mike was not at shoot around. So, you know, we'll see. The, the, we'll see. Ant had an illness played the other night. Um, mm. I think everybody knows what Mike Conley brings if he's on the floor. Right. Um, and that was maybe much needed in that fourth quarter. He realizes it. The team realizes it. But at the same time, it's like this team can't have Mike Conley hold its hand through yeah. through a fourth quarter. They should be able to function properly without him for a little while. Yeah. But it's interesting that they haven't shown the ability to do that. Correct. Too, right? yeah. You know what I'm uh -huh. saying? Like, uh -huh. it's like, yeah. 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 And and they know that. Um, I, I guess where I'm kind of at with it is I, I do think that's something that will and maybe already kind of has slowly progressed over the mm -hmm. year. I know we're living in like the moment of, you know, no Mike Conley in that game. And it's pretty easy to connect some dots as right. to why that cost him that. I do think they've incrementally gotten to the point where they – less so need father Mike to, you know, walk them there, but it's going to be a, you know, it, it, it is going to be a, a process over time. And one that they, is you, you, you know, you want Mike to play in this game, but part of you goes to like some reps without him and, and figuring this out is there's, there's, there's value in that too. And when I was putting some stuff together this morning, I was thinking about it in the sense of, I don't think Nikhil Alexander Walker has been bad when he started so either, no. the games in place of Mike Conley. So it's not like, I mean, he really got kind of Carl going actually with that pick and pop stuff in the first yeah. quarter, him and Nikhil. Right. And, and we, and we saw like in, in that Boston game, like the offense played reasonably well for yes. 44 minutes, you know, like that was, you know, that, that wasn't the issue in the, in the Boston game either. Like they were able to have a, a good offensive night. You, you had a good uh, tweet that I yesterday that I had mm -hmm. forgotten about this, mm -hmm. that the, you know, so Mike missed the Boston game for rest, missed right. the Charlotte game for rest. He played in the Atlanta game, but which was 100 percent. He was very, uh, yeah. I was going to say food sick, had food poisoning, food poisoning yeah. was yeah. was absolutely not himself there. So it's I, I don't I don't think we need additional evidence to say that Mike Conley is important in these situations. But if you look at, you know, you look at some of the worst performances of the year, not just um, this week, right? They, there is that corollary to, to Mike Conley, not, not being there and the, the team taking a hit. And if it is true that, you know, Nikhil is a functional backup, like he, I don't think we're seeing anything egregious in particular from him. It's a more like existential issue then, right? At that point of like, all right, Nikhil's doing his thing as the backup point guard when he starts these games, not playing poorly. So then it's elsewhere. It's you're needing Carl and Ant and Jaden and other whoever, everyone mm -hmm. else to sort of step up in Mike's absence. I, we don't need to list them 
all off of what those things are. I think we kind of know those. Jace hit those yesterday. Yeah. Who who do you expect to kind of step up here in these moments uh, without Ant or ironing out some of these things? Like, I think we need to get to this point of who else can help other than Mike, right? It, the answer, as you said, can't just be Mike. What is it that Ant can do? What is it that everyone else can do in this time that can, you know, can make them last without Mike Conley? I, I, I mean, it's a hard one, right? It's it's a hard one. Last year, the answer was Kyle Anderson, you know, like he was mm -hmm. kind of the, the organizer, the, you know, mature one, so to speak, you know, before Mike got here, Mm -hmm. um, they, they relied heavily on him. Um, you know, but Kyle, you know, we've seen him go through the, go through the ups and downs of, of this season, um, at least from a scoring perspective, um, you know, so, so he, he's one name that jumps off the page in that sense, because yeah. he can bring a little bit of that, um, a little bit of that intangible quality that Mike can bring, um, but in a different way. Um, and obviously when it comes to the tangible stuff, like Kyle's not going to be spotting up for sure. open threes and taking them the way Mike can and, and has, mm-hmm. um, so if you're looking for that sort of stuff, that's, that's Kyle Anderson to me. Um, you know, if, if you need, if you have Carl and you have Ant in, in these kind of situations and you need a, another playmaker, we've seen, you know, Jaden hit some big shots at times, you know, yeah. like he shouldn't just be an afterthought. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like that's, that's an opportunity for, for, for him to maybe really assert himself um, as a, as a, as a good third option in this offense mm-hmm. um so i don't know it's it's, it's tough yeah. because i don't think there's one guy who can fill both of those things that that mike does whether it be in terms of the leadership and tangible qualities and the mm-hmm. actual like basketball yeah okay, he, he can he can be the third option here uh, that we need i i was just and this is not a perfect representation of, of anything here but i just went and looked at like on off stuff right and mm-hmm. where where do they benefit most when mike's on the floor versus where they hurt most when he's off the floor and in those just encompassing numbers from the the whole first half of the season it's defense is where it shows up most with mike on versus off the differential there and a lot of that is tied to mike plays the vast majority of his minutes with rudy gobert and I, I get that sure. that's what's juicing that. But I do think there's some some truth to the idea that when the defense is on point, there's less of the crumbling that happens offensively. And that was a truism, right, in the in the Charlotte game. Yeah. And yeah. I think we think about the the what would have Mike Conley brought to that Charlotte game that would have saved them there, you know? And you go, all right, in the fourth quarter when or second half when they were chasing some points and whatever things were things were falling apart, Mike would have stabilized the offense and maybe got them some better looks to give them some more points to win the game, right? But Mike would have probably nipped it in the bud early. The defense that was just completely missing in in that game right off right right from the jump against the Hornets. And again, I'm not saying this is the right answer, but I wonder if. 
the answer when Mike Conley is off the floor or if he has to miss extended time and whatever that is, if it isn't just leaning more into defense, whether that's personnel wise or just like, all right, we don't have Mike well, I mean, in this see, game. But, but you know to your point, though, I mean, Nikhil was the one that was in the starting yeah. lineup for him. And theoretically, that yeah, shouldn't, right, be a, right. shouldn't be a drop off defensively. I know. But um, it's, you know, so, you know, because if you were going to go like with an all defensive lineup, it, Nikhil, Nikhil would be, be on the yeah. floor. Yeah. And those lineups. Um, no, so yeah. it's yeah. I don't. I don't know what the what the answer really. I mean, look, look. It was that Charlotte game to me. I mean, right. we've covered this ad nauseum. You you have social media has. It was just to me just a perfect storm of like Carl's big night allowed them to basically treat the game differently than they would have otherwise, mm-hmm. and it was just a disaster all around. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. I don't know how much of this is. It's certainly an indictment on on their suppose their lack of maturity, right? But I also am wondering, like, how much of of Monday was also a bit of an aberration, sure. because of how the game just played out with Carl's big night. I I, I think that I think that and is fair. Both both are fair. Yeah, we, we can't yeah. let go of the maturity part of Correct. it. But. And, and the other thing, the other thing, and, and I said this after the game Monday night. And to your point. Um, even with Mike on the floor recently, the fourth quarter offense has not been good in the last yeah. couple of weeks, dating yep. back to that Dallas loss. And Mike was on the floor for the last three minutes of that Dallas loss mm-hmm. uh, just after New Year's. Um, so it wasn't a problem at the beginning of the season. They were winning a lot of these clutch games. Um, and, yes, the defense was leaky. Um, but the defense we've seen will can bounce back and has bounced back. The fourth quarter offense in close games has been a problem now for about three weeks. Yep. Um, and, you know, I think that's, that is the running theme to me that you have to fix and correct. And mm-hmm. Mike obviously was not on the floor for that, but there have been times in Oklahoma City was another example of this um, where he was there and, it, and the offense just wasn't working in the fourth quarter. Um, they got to figure this out again. That's to, that to me is the big issue coming out of Monday moving forward. Is is the is the late game offense and figuring that and figuring yeah. that out. I, I want to uh, a little bit later talk about the ant element of that uh, specifically and what answers there there are uh, to to find there. I want to grab our our first break here first. Can I? Can I trouble you for some 49ers takes? Well, I, I, my four, both of my picks last week, I said over and they went under. So I don't know how, I don't know. This well, is why I don't gamble because no, no, like, no. I, well, over unders to me are a fool's errand. I just, I just think, I know they're a sponsor of your, no, no, no. I, I know what you're but saying. I just I don't do it because I would just lose money on this stuff. Well, I'm like, I don't know. Maybe he'll go over. Maybe he'll go under. I don't know. Well, or, well, or look at the more or less than. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, you're all right. Yeah. The, <laughs> Christian McCaffrey is his, they have a promotion going that is more or less than 0.5 rushing yards uh, against Detroit. So I think we feel good about that one. We can lock that one <laughs> and, and throw that in there. I'm more I, in, in all seriousness. I'm more interested yeah. in just like what you think of this matchup, you know, against Detroit. And then off of that, um, maybe from the Detroit side of it, like where, sure. where sure. could, where could they hurt the 49ers and um, or where could the 49ers hurt the, the like Detroit and limiting their place? I think that's a you know, that's a good place to start with this. You know, sure. thinking about a, a game script and how and how that might work. What are you concerned about 
about the Lions or or confident about that. I I am scared as a Niners fan of Jameer Gibbs. Okay. That's what I am scared of in this game. (laughs) The the Niners run defense is vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Aaron Jones put up 100 yards on them last week. And I think the Niners defense is – Detroit's got a great offensive line. I, I think Montgomery is the type of back that they could probably slow down a little bit. I was thinking but, that. But the guy with the, ex, the the explosiveness that Jameer Gibbs has, mm-hmm. he's the one that worries me on on Sunday. Um, so what's what's he at here? So his yeah. his rushing number is forty seven and a half, and his receiving number right. is twenty two and a half. Now with his receiving number, I, I'm I'm not certain on that because if if they're able to kind of line him up against like Fred Warner or Dre Greenlaw in coverage. That's not the worst matchup for the Niners in terms of pass coverage, mm-hmm. but the rushing yards, what's, what's his rushing total? His, his rushing yards is 47 and a half. I might go on the over on that. Okay. I feel okay. like he could, I feel like he could eat them up on the ground a little bit. Okay. So, All right. Um, now on the other side of the ball, um, we don't know if Debo Samuel is going to be playing. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's a huge, huge, huge difference for a number of reasons <laughs> on the Niners offense there. They go from like being first in the league to like being an average offense when he's, right. when he's on the field. So, I mean, McCaffrey is like the surest bet because you know, McCaffrey is just going to be fed the ball mm-hmm. um, in a game like this. So what's it? We, well, we the, the you got the promotion. For, take, we got the promotion take the free for square, yeah. the rushing, the, take the free square, right? I mean, so are we looking at total yardage? We're we looking at receiving. This yards? is this is receiving here from McCaffrey's thirty six and a half, and then I think Kittle. I remember last week we were talking about this. Kittle was maybe like forties or fifties. Well, or Kittle, I mean, yeah, now he's Kittle, up to sixty and a half. Kittle benefited from Debo being out. Yeah, like so, more targets were available for George Kittle. In their right. offense, because Debo was out, and that's what's happened traditionally as as a as a fantasy manager of George Kittle. I, I remember I've asked you about this. Twenty two, <laughs> Debo Samuel was out during the fantasy playoffs, yeah. and George Kittle went bonkers. He did um, because he did. they started featuring George Kittle more. So if right. George, if, if Debo Samuel is out, I'm probably hitting the over on George Kittle receiving yards. Okay. Um, if Debo Samuel plays, it's a it's a bit more of a question mark so he's right. at 60 and a half there is that the number yep yep 60 and a half right. is kittle so if you like if you if you're certain you know Debo samuel <laughs> isn't going to play you know maybe that's a you get some value right now early yeah. in the week what, what's brandon i you get what uh so he's not up on there and not, I, i'm assuming they're tying that to Debo more i mean yeah. that'll that'll be up there later in the week i mean you could just go over on kittle you know take the take the risk that Debo yeah. isn't going to play um, and just grab the grab the over now because even if Debo does play, there's still a decent chance that George Kittle can get That's 61 true. receiving yards in this game. That's true. Um, so you know, maybe it's a little bit of free money there if you grab the over now. I don't. Okay. I don't know. I don't know how this works. <laughs> <laughs> Nope, that's that's it. I just wanted to I want to talk about the game, think about uh, it. I mean, what, what's Amon Ross St. Brown? What do we what do we got for him there? Uh, let me um, let me go back here. This is hold on a bit. 84 and a half. That's that's, that's high. high. The Niners do a good job of limiting teams throwing over the middle. You beat the Niners by okay. throwing to the outside. Oh, actually, Ioke is on here. 80 and a half. Oh, 80 and a half. That seems so high. it sounds like they're assuming with these numbers as set right now that Debo's not playing. Debo's not playing, yeah. Mm-hmm. That seems high to me. Um yeah. Now, Jamison Williams, 
28 and a half. That that intrigues me. Josh Reynolds. Is there a Josh Reynolds? Yeah, uh, Reynolds, 35 and a half here. See, like, Porto, like, 47 and like a half. One of those guys, Josh Reynolds mm -hmm. or, or Jamison Williams on the outside, might have a decent day. Okay. Okay. I Just like because it. that is where you attack the Niners passing wise. Over the middle, Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw tend to make that a, a no go zone for, for teams. So. Okay. I love it. That'll be, a, that'll be a fascinating matchup. So, I yeah, love Jameer, it. Jameer Gibbs is in line, I think, for a big day. Okay. Really big yeah. Okay. Um, that's prizepicks.com. Prize picks app. Thanks for rolling with us with some football talk here <laughs> briefly. <laughs> um, but yeah, promo code Dane for a $100 sign up bonus if you want to if you want to try that out this this weekend for the, the slate of games that are ahead. Um, all right, I, I want to talk about Nikhil uh, a little bit more. And um, I, I asked, I asked, I would start by doing this. I asked Finch after the game about Nikhil in, in a starting role. I've just broadly been super impressed by Nikhil, regardless of what the role is. I feel like night to night, I'm like 80% of the time, I'm like, good game by Nikhil, like delivered and yeah. it maybe exceeded expectations. So here's here's Finch on Nikhil uh, in in the, the Charlotte game, starting in place of Mike. It was really delivered, I think, in pretty much every game you've you've started him this year. What, what have you seen from him in that role, which is a little bit different than what he has normally night to night? Yeah, I think um, with that, you know, you get a lot, he gets a lot of really good looks. You know, I think he got a really good looks. Um, gets, in, gets us into our offense, then, um, you know, stays shot ready off of it. Um, yeah, I think um, he's the primary handler out there. He feels comfortable for that, but he's you know gets us into the actions where Cat and Ant usually can create some traffic, uh, and then get him some good looks. You know, so but I also liked his decision making when he got to the paint. So I was looking at some you know Nick Nikhil stuff this morning, Chris, mm -hmm. and um, just like well. In terms of defensive estimated plus minus, they actually have him as the most impactful defensive player uh, on, on, on the Wolves, wolves yeah. uh, this season. I mean, it's right up there, right next to Jaden and and Rudy. So, whatever you know, a percentage <laughs> right, point here right. or there. But like, right. statistically, it's matching mm -hmm. um, the the eye test. And and to that end, like, you signed Nikhil for four and a half million dollars for this year. Like, if he was gonna like for four and a half million dollars, if he was even gonna give you just part of what he gave you in the play-in and the playoffs last year, just on the defensive side of the ball, you go, that's a win um, for $4.5 million. I think he's been just as good, if not arguably better, because it's a, a larger sample size on the defensive side of the floor. I'm just, like, I'm really intrigued by Nikhil as, like, a long-term piece on this team. And because he is, what, 24, right? There's the idea yeah. that, you know, there's still more that he could tap into in his game. And I've always, I, I don't seem to be a true point guard, right? Like he's not Correct. the heir apparent to, to Mike Conley. Right. But there's a lot of, in this offense, you know, you need a lot of creators, secondary creators. And I feel like Nikhil has more there. Um, though, to be fair, it's not really showing up. Like his numbers, his numbers like at so rim are really poor. It's it's interesting, like because I'm going to be hopefully on Sun in Sunday's paper. You're going to see a long feature from me on Nikhil. Um, awesome. We're going to tease that a little bit here. I, I don't know. I don't know for sure. I don't know when it's going to run, but I'm hope I'm hopeful that it'll run soon. Okay. Um, and I think 
to your point about there being more with Nikhil, one of the things that you'll you'll see in the story, and one of the things that we've heard Finch talk about and Nikhil talk about, is dating back to their time together in New Orleans, when Nikhil was maybe trying to do a little too much. Yeah, and that got him into into you know trouble or whatever you want to term it. Mm-hmm. You know, he, oh, he and just he got him up, he, removed right. from the rotation, got removed from the rotation. Yeah. You know, traded now yeah. multiple times in his career. Um, you know, so when he does that, that might be a bad thing for him if he sure. tries to add too much. Like who he is now and who he's playing as now, it's great. It took it took a while to get to this point. Like it took a lot of trial and error. So that are what are you on the offensive end of the floor, mm-hmm. right? And this kind of role right now where. He's not trying to be a primary playmaker, and he's a good shooter. Um, that was something that he didn't really lean into early in his career, the shooting aspect. Now he's leaning into it a little more. Um, all this stuff took a lot of time to get to where he was. Um, so so I don't know, I don't know what the next step is, but mm-hmm. I would worry that if trying to put more on his plate might cause it to – balance yeah. off the other side um right and, and that's why you, you don't want it to be too much right, right they, like right. Mm-hmm. but i i do think it's a situation and, and and this is just based in belief of like i think he's a good player i think he's a focused so, smart yeah. all of those yeah. things that yeah we can go off of when he was 21 22 whatever mm-hmm. too much was too much um mm-hmm. so let's avoid too much but i mean if he can give you a little bit more, this team could benefit from a little bit more offensively. Again, the numbers don't necessarily bear that out. I just, even though he's not finishing and has not finished at the bucket, well, it's where he gets himself into trouble. I think that's an advantageous spot in this team, right? When, when you are the second, third guard wing in the offense, it's, it's the Jaden thing. It's like, you should get a lot of like pretty clean straight line drives uh, in addition to the, to the spot ups. Like we know Nikhil's right. We feel pretty confident about Nikhil as a average above average catch and shoot guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that's what I'm thinking of like specific sort of actions, maybe late in the shot clock where Nikhil can quickly run a pick and pop or a pick and roll with Nas or cat or whatever. Mm-hmm. And sometimes to be able to weaponize that, I think he needs to be able to get to the basket and do so under control. I think that's what it is. It's like there's a little yeah. bit of something that's erratic about him once he gets within five, six feet. And I guess that's what the question is, is can you slow yourself down to become a better finisher, do more things more efficiently once you are in the middle of your attack uh, to the basket? And I, I feel like personally that he does – have that or will have that and to that end it makes sense to add it a little bit okay i i i think i could see that happening i think that's something that would take time to you know maybe an off season to really to really hone and perfect the way that they want it um i think maybe maybe we saw a little bit of it in that boston game i'm thinking back to some of those buckets that he had late in that game and sure those were not all threes like he was taking it to the bucket and, Mm -hmm. and finishing um in that game um, but yeah, we, we haven't seen it a ton. Yeah. We haven't seen mm-hmm. it consistently, um, um, from him. So, you know, but, but to your point, uh, 
25 years old, four and a half million bucks. Right. Major you're, six, you're, you're six starter, essentially. Yeah. Um, major minutes off the bench, regardless. Like, like it, it's just, it just sometimes the NBA is funny like that, where it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you can get that kind of value out of somebody. And yeah. in the era of the second apron, a guy, <laughs> a guy, right? You know, if, if we're if we're gonna call it that or whatever yeah. we're calling this, no, no, it's a guy contributing as much as he is making. Yeah, what he's making is really, really valuable for, for well, a team. Like, really I mean, valuable. perfect example is you know Shake Milton and Troy Brown Jr. Yeah. signed for the same amount of money, and you know Shake hasn't delivered what was you know maybe you hoped for uh, right. from that role. And, you know, Troy hasn't gotten a, a ton moments. of opportunity, but he's, he's had his moments and stuff. Yeah. I, I just say that to mean like a four or $5 million player is a dice roll. You know, yeah. it is, it, there is no guarantee of impact when, when you sign that player and for Nikhil Alexander Walker to be a pretty guaranteed impact defensively and knowing his role and being consistent and solid in what he does, that's a win. It probably is mm-hmm. when you're when I'm sitting here being like, oh, I, th- I want more. I think there's more in there. It's probably asking. <laughs> it's, it's it's definitely asking for more than you you paid for. Yeah, yeah. asking to pay play above his pay grade. Yeah. <laughs> but what does this team need though, Chris? Like, what what is I I and I talked this about point, this with yeah. Chase yesterday. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. you you start you know everybody comes flying in after the Wolves Hornets game and it's like national wise this team needs a backup point guard. This team needs a backup <laughs> point guard and. It's like, no, this team needs 48 minutes of Mike Conley. That's not like you're not going to go get that 16, 18 yeah. minutes of Mike Conley. I mean, yeah. yes, Tyus Jones would probably give you something close to that, but it's going to be tough to get. Tyus Jones is not a backup point guard in, in the right. NBA anymore. And, and you he's going to be, he's going to cost a lot, maybe more than the Wolves have. Yeah. yeah. And then you got to go yeah. pay him in the, the you know, the, right. the summer. Right. Too. I mean, obviously, Tyus would be a, really good fit on this team. I think we, we, we agree with that, Nobody but that. Yeah. <laughs> I just, it, it's just weird how I'm like, yeah, this team needs more stability out of the backup point guard position, but I don't think that's the thing that I would choose at the deadline. If I had one thing to choose, because I don't, I don't think just having a backup point guard would solve all the questions that this team has at back. And to, and to me, and to me, and to me, it, it doesn't solve maybe fourth quarter offensive issues. I mean, obviously like at the very, in the final possessions in the final minutes of an, of a game, we know that it's going to be, we know what the offensive lineup is going to be. It's going yeah. to be um, the five starters. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you have some sort of shooting for the other minutes of the four, like for maybe the f- around the five minute mark, mm-hmm. you know, for around the four minute mark, and things yep. are maybe just a little freer for for Ant in those moments, you right. know, like, I, and the defense has to really respect somebody who's going to knock down a, a a corner three or a wing three or whatever. I just think that benefits the team more than more than anything right right I, I go back and forth on this so you talk to me next week and i'll probably say yeah, yeah, yeah. go for a backup point guard but i just think with the spacing issues that they tend to have like getting mm-hmm. getting another shooter in these situations i just think the more shooting that you have in the finch offense as we've seen in the last couple of years the better it tends to be 
still where I'm at too. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I agree with that. Like, and that's I. If it's not the highest level point guard that you go mm -hmm. out and get at the deadline, and it is more in the true backup point guard realm, I think it's presumptive to assume that that player that you bring in is going to be substantially better than Jordan McLaughlin. That yeah, that's where I that that's where a lot of my mm -hmm. rationale comes from in being like that is not the first mm -hmm. place that you know I would go to look to add something mm -hmm. uh, to this team and. Like we've been saying this the entire time, it the backup point guard is not going to solve the late game offense. That and that's the that, that's the that's the not real be on the floor in those situations, right? Right. Yeah. But a shooter could be with five, four minutes left, especially if that person's got the hot hand that night or, or something like that. Like they will be on the floor for a decent number of those possessions, perhaps. Today's show is brought to you by Doer. That's D-U-E-R. And why I like to wear Doer is because when I'm choosing what to wear, the key is to be comfortable. That's why I'm loving my Doer jeans. Doer denim is the perfect mix of comfort, style, and stretch. Historically, I haven't been much of a denim guy, but I like these Doer jeans because they aren't so stiff. I have the performance denim athletic straight style in the heritage rinse color. I've been wearing these to games. I brought them on the road trip I was just on because I figured... I can wear them to the game. I can wear them out to dinner. Doer also makes stretch performance denim and lifestyle apparel for both men and women. They're made from natural fibers for high stretch, breathability, moisture absorption, complete with temperature regulating antimicrobial properties to feel fresh, cool, and dry. From the performance denim to the no sweat jogger, I can find a pair that fits any occasion. Plus, Doer values sustainability and uses 85% plant-based materials for natural softness and comfort. Upgrade your wardrobe and order your own pair of Doer jeans today. Check out Doer's flagship stores in LA or Denver or shop online at shopdoer.com slash Dane Moore. Right now, my listeners can get 15% off site-wide when you use my special URL, shopdoer.com slash Dane Moore. All one word, my name. This is an awesome deal. Don't wait to get 15% off. Go now to shopdoer.com slash Dane Moore. Today's show is brought to you by the Game Time app. And Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. I went to a concert last week and the whole process of knowing where to go to get the tickets, it was stressful because the last time I went to a concert, it was a mess trying to get the tickets from the third-party website onto my phone. But with the Game Time app, I felt confident even last minute that I purchased my tickets at a fair rate, and that's because of their best price guarantee. And then with the app, it was easy to just use my phone and get into the concert I paid for, no confusion. So if you're looking for tickets to a Lynx game, a Twins game, or a concert this summer, check out the Game Time app. You'll get images of your seats when you buy, so you know what to expect when you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set, and tickets are sent directly to your phone, so no need to dig through your emails and click on a link here or there and just snag tickets without stress with the game time app, download the game time app, create an account and use code Dane Moore for $20 off your first purchase terms apply again, create an account and use the code Dane Moore, all one word for $20 off download game time today, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Let's, uh... Let's talk about Ant at the the end of games, and I've been I've been thinking about like what do those possessions look like, right? Where he's making the turnovers. Obviously, this wasn't the Charlotte game, but there's been obviously numerous games where it's been problematic in the fourth quarter, and Ant's going to the basket and he's getting loaded up on, and maybe he doesn't get a foul call, he misses the shot, or he, more importantly, or more crucially when he gets to the middle of the floor and makes a pass, he turns, makes a bad pass and it's turned over. He's stripped when he gets there. And I like very much understand. This is me talking out of both sides of my mouth. As I started the season being like, okay, too much ant mid range, too much ant mid range. That was, that was a pretty big theme for all of us, Finch included, you know, at the beginning of the season of that needs to, we need to have that shot distribution be a little bit more balanced out. But I'm wondering if in those situations when Ant is getting to the middle of the floor, rather than trying to like at 15 feet, rather than trying to drive through it or pass out of it when there's a bunch of hands in his way, if just taking more mid-range shots in those situations is is an answer. What do you what do you think about that? I don't know. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not thrilled. I'm yeah. not thrilled with that because I'm thinking like, okay, what does that possession look like? Dribble, 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 then pull up from 16 feet well like we're, we're gonna say that that's a bad possession mm-hmm. regardless of the outcome of of the shot i feel like i i think it's I about yeah. that like we don't ant doesn't have his spots specifically from the mid-range you know that's you look true at, right right like yeah. what, what is ants go to mid-range right like spot. shay you know when you watch shay there's always that like we need a bucket i'm gonna just like dribble down to like 13 feet mm-hmm. stop and mm-hmm. sort of pop that little mid-range shot. Like Ant doesn't have that go-to thing in the middle of the floor. He actually has a lot of different moves in the mid-range. We've seen that for sure expand. Like his pivot game, pump fake game is like grown. But what are those specific spots that he needs to get to so as to be able to do it at a higher efficiency? And and I think that is like finding a repeatable action in the middle of the floor that generates a shot for Ant would drive 
would drive that efficiency up. And until he has that, my suggestion probably isn't an answer, right? Yeah, yeah. But is is that worth pursuing? I guess is is the the, the overall thought. I was show you this here. I was just looking at like where Ant ranks in like mid range frequency, and mm -hmm. like how like these are the high on on the screen right here. These are the seven. Ant is the seventeenth highest volume long mid range jump shooter uh, in the league in terms of he fifteen percent of his shots are are mid range jump shots, and there are sixteen players who shoot more than that. Demar Derozan and is the highest thirty two percent of his shots um, are are mid range shots. Brandon Ingram's up there. Kevin Durant. Those are those are the guys and. Yeah. Ant's only taking about one in six of his shots, right? That's the way to think about it, is a, is a long mid-range shot. DeMar DeRozan, one in three. Mm -hmm. And so it would be easier for us to make an argument to increase that mid-range jump shooting volume if Ant was hitting these at a higher clip than the 40% yeah. he's made. If you look at these other 16 players who shoot more mid-range shots than he has, the only players who are shooting a worse percentage um, are Bam Adebayo at 36% and Paul George at 39%. All the other guys are 40% or higher um, there. So for Ant to increase his volume of mid-range shots, we need to be confident that he's going to make them at a higher clip than 40% to get up to Jalen Brunson makes 46% of his. Brandon Ingram makes 45% of his. Um, Michael Porter Jr. makes 52% of his. Like, it needs to get more up in that realm, probably to justify it. And yeah. I just think it eventually it will, you know. And we do this thing all the time of like, okay, Ant, can we get the shot distribution down? Can we make the mid range thing less of part of the answer for him? And I'm just at the point where, like, he's always going to be a mid-range guy. Like, that's always going to be a part of his game. So rather than us talking about it, I mean, like, the royal us, uh, like, talking about doing less mid-range shots, maybe our conversation should be about how does he take better mid-range shots? He can make them at an over 40% clip once he finds those spots, I think, and, and is able to do that. And it's not going to solve your late-game offense, completely by Ant just being coming mm -hmm. a more efficient mid-range shooter, but it would help it. And um, I think it's just, I think it's something that's really critical for him to find in early here in his career or late here this season, uh, because he doesn't have a floater. He's not a floater player, right? He's, if he's taking a mid-range shot, it is pretty much one of those, one of those pull-ups. So Finding those spots to hit those mid-range shots more consistently by taking the same ones, I, I think does benefit the late game offense if it doesn't solve it, if that makes sense. Okay. I, I, I buy that. I, I, I could buy that. Like if he if he if he was shooting at like a 50% clip, then I would feel you know, yeah, I, then you say jack it up a lot better. You say go mm -hmm. for it. Um I didn't it was think it 35% last I, I, year. I never, I never thought about it in those terms, though. Of like, yeah. okay, yeah, most mid range shooters, now that you think about it, they have like their spots. Yeah. Right. Um, that, that they're super comfortable and super efficient shooting from. Um, and, and I don't yeah, know what the ant one is. What, the ant like, one, the ant one is like, I think right now it's like trying to bank it. <laughs> you know, I think that's like, right. that's what he might prefer from like, you know, 
14, 15 feet is the, is the, the side kind of like shot. angle. Yeah. You know, no, yeah. And, like, and maybe the, that becomes it, but we need to yeah. like, what is the path to getting there? And, yeah. and where is it? Is it a 14 foot bank shot? Is it a 19 foot bank? You know, like, mm -hmm. um, I, I just personally, as bad as the possessions are, I personally would prefer him to take a step back three over, yeah. over a mid range at this point. Like, mm -hmm. is, even for as bad as that is, at least like, I feel like I don't well, know what I don't know what his percentage is on step back threes right now, but but like if his mid range, go, <laughs> if his mid range shot uh -huh. is hitting at forty percent clip, that's point mm -hmm. eight points per possession, right? So right. Mm -hmm. even if his you're, and you're right. Even if he, like, even if he's thirty percent, point nine, yeah, point nine, yeah. yeah there, so. there just is an element though of you want him to get downhill, right? You want mm -hmm. him to get to the basket, and you want him to play make out of that. I'm more thinking about the specific possessions, and there's a lot of these where he is downhill and it gets walled off, right? You know, they load up two, three defenders, right. and he can't get through it. And you know, your first thing is to pass out of that, but. You know, if his teammates aren't set up in the right position, if there isn't good spacing around him, there might not be anything to kick it out to. That mm -hmm. and and that has to improve too. Like somebody be in the corner every single time Ant gets in the middle of the floor. Let's have two guys in both of the corners. Like that that needs to be uh, a thing. But when those options aren't there, which is just going to happen, it's just going to happen. Sometimes right. the rim's not mm -hmm. going to be there, and sometimes the kick out is not going to be there. And he's not great at making that kick out yet without turning it over. I, I do still think for now that would benefit this team. If he upped the mid range volume okay. uh, a little bit that I don't know. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen the mid range volume be too high and hurt them too, but it's, I think it's part of the temporary answer to this. And over time, it's going to get better from the mid range. He is going to okay. get up to that, right? Like, don't you think, like at some sure, point, sure. some point he's going to be a high forties mid range guy. He's not there yeah, yet. Yeah. So, I guess what I'm just working through is my general aversion to those shots. But some players take them, and it's just because they're such high volume players, they're going to take them. And, and and Ant is is one of those. So maybe part of the equation for I guess I guess for me it's just it's just how you how you arrive at that shot is yeah. what matters to me. Like if you're, if you're, if the possession is just like dribble, dribble, dribble mid range as the shot clock's going down, that to me is a waste of a possession. Yep. If it's like we tried something else, couldn't get a look and now the clock's going down and all he, all you have left is like a mid range, then that's more acceptable to me. Like yep. if you've tried, if you've exhausted other options on a possession, mm -hmm. as opposed to just waiting for the shot clock to go down. And, you know, when you do that, it allows the defense to just focus in on you because they know you, you're, you have limited options because the clock's mm -hmm. winding down. I'm with that. Um, you know, like that's, that to me, that's the difference. So if, if it comes at the re result of a decent possession, then, then great. Yeah. Um, but if it's just it can't be in place of good offense. I I, yes, I agree yeah, with that. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking yeah. about specifically the possessions where it is devolving and there is six seconds left on fine. the shot clock. That would be fine. Yeah. Um that find the mm -hmm. and the biggest thing here is finding that go-to thing that mm -hmm. to be fair, a lot of those guys on that list are mm -hmm. older, uh, more mature and have mm -hmm. developed that over time, you know, like I don't think Jalen Brunson was doing this at 22 when he was a pretty sure Jalen Brunson was a rookie 
when, mm-hmm. when he was 22 or a lot of these guys, like the numbers progress over time. Mm-hmm. My biggest thing is just opening up my mind to the idea that this is going to be part of Ant's diet, even though the numbers in his career thus far indicate he's not very good at it. 40% this year, not good. 35% last year from long mid-range, not good. 35% from long mid-range the year before that, not good. Mm-hmm. But he's a star. And so it's yeah. going to remain part of the mix. It just it just is, particularly um, in, in the playoffs. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to kind of watch that as there is just a general trend of his mid-range frequency going down. As if you look at his mid-range attempts month to month, they've progressively gone down. And his turnovers month to month have progressively gone up. That's not a direct corollary. There's obviously right. a bunch of other things there too. Yeah, I've said it like six times. I just think it's part. Of, <laughs> I just think it's. I think it might be part of uh, part of the answer. Do you have uh, any other stray thoughts from the, the the Hornets game that I mean w- that we we haven't got to here? I mean, I feel I feel like everybody's done yeah. a, done a good job. You don't really need to hear it from me. <laughs> two days after the fact. Um, you know, really. Good I, job, I, I, I guess. I guess part of me, like, I, I it's it's one of eighty two. Some losses hurt more than others, mm-hmm. you know. But at the end of the day, this team has to move on. Like, you have to put it behind you. Yes, the, the you know it, it stings, and the fan base is not going to forget about this one mm-hmm. for a little bit. Um, but the team has to be able to move on and they have to mentally be allowed the space to move on. And from, and they have done that probably this season, thing. right? Yes, we would both yes. vouch for the idea that they're, uh, I mean, look, look, Oklahoma city should have lost to Portland last night. No. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that, I hate this. I hate to say this, but mm-hmm. nights like this happen in the NBA sometimes. I'm, I'm actually with it, that. It really does. Like mm-hmm. it really does follow any good team. They're going to have some clunkers. Yep. In the course of a season, they're going to have nights where they lose to bad teams. We talk about it all the time. It's like, okay, what if their six and 10 record against bad teams was inversed last year, right? And it was 10 and six. That still leaves six bad losses against bad teams, (laughs) right? That still leaves six losses where you would have felt really crappy afterwards about how Mm -hmm. they played and about their future. That still left six of those instances where it happened. It's happened like three times this year where they've lost to, those kind mm-hmm. of teams and, and two of them were in the first three games of the season. Yep. Um, you know, it, so, you know, I, in the I, I agree with sucks, you. But if you're taking like the long view of this, it's a bad loss in, in the course of a season where you are going to have bad losses. You just are. Mm-hmm. So I, I think if it becomes a problem, then yes, then it becomes a problem. Like it was last year, but, I, and, and because of that scar tissue, we, we, you can't just think of it that way. Mm-hmm. But you have to try to be able to box it in and be like, okay, that was that night. What do we got tonight? What do we got tomorrow? You know, two winnable games here against the Wizards in Brooklyn on the road. Like, you got to be able to try to move on and flush it and, and just what's done is done. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with that 100%. I mean, my the way I do it is like, mm-hmm. all right, bad loss. What was what made mm-hmm. the loss bad? Let's yeah. let's talk about that. As Jason and I talked about it yesterday, mm-hmm. there there is a handful of different things to go into 
obviously maturity was a top line thing, but also mm-hmm. part of it is like the Wolves kind of struggle with small teams, you know, and Charlotte mm-hmm. played small and fast. Like they, there's like, there's things that, that, that happen there. And then the next step is the next day is moving on. Yeah. And, yeah. and noting it as the beginning of a trend, but not presuming it will be the trend. Right. Like, well, that that's where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. Like your, your, your guard is up. Your, your, you know, your antenna are up to see mm-hmm. if this is going to become a thing. Yep. And to me, that's what I, that's what I say. Like the more distressing thing is the lack of fourth quarter execution, which is, which is that is a becoming a trend. That yep. is becoming a trend, and that is the major issue. I think they have to it's, solve. And we'll see tonight. No, it's it's mm-hmm. sober, and I think accurate analysis mm-hmm. of of the current state on. January twenty fourth at eleven fifty five a.m. Like that. That's that's where it is now, and let's let's check back in it. You know, um, dwelling on it probably isn't um, probably is as we don't need any. We don't. We probably don't need any more of that. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned the Nikhil feature. Can you hint at what you're working on on the sure. East Coast? Um. Yeah. Um. You know, like I said, I hope to have this story running soon. Um, but you know, one of the things that I noticed about Nikhil almost from the day he got here is, um, at his locker, he always seems to be like reading a book of some kind. So I delved into him about that Mm -hmm. and kind of how that started and what he's read and why he started reading a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, how that's affected his mindset over the last two seasons. Um, and what he really thought when he when he got traded to Minnesota. Yeah. Um, so cool. Uh, I'm stay, excited. Stay tuned it. for that. Stay tuned for that. Hopefully, running Sunday. And then another one you're working on while you're out there too. Well, we'll we're gonna keep that one under wraps for now. Right. Um, we'll we'll see if that one can come together the way I mm-hmm. want it to. We'll well, the Nikhil story oh. is is a good story that I don't oh. think has really been been told yet. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm myself and others are. I'm sure interested to uh, to read that. And the other one that you've told me that we're not sure about yet is also a story that, that uh, hasn't been told. We'll see. Yet. We'll see what happens. We'll, with that we'll, yes, there is yeah. inside baseball. There's a there's a lot of shit lot of work that, that goes on to, yeah. to conduct uh, future mm-hmm. stories. So if and when those stories do come out and uh, publish, we'll we'll have uh, Chris give us a little um, hint about what's going on in those. And as always, you can. Um, be reading all of Chris's work at the Star Tribune. He's he's on the he's on the road uh, in Washington uh, with with John, and then on the road in Brooklyn as well too. So obviously, be following those guys for everything outside uh, or inside, I guess the the locker room. And I, I'm not going to be on this four game road trip at all. So um, let's all uh, let's all lean on on Chris and John's work there too. The last thing I just want to uh, mention before we wrap this up is we do have trying to do a better job of these tickets that we have to give away, letting people know about them uh, a little bit earlier. A week from today, we have two tickets for the the game against Dallas. And um, if you are available to attend that game, just send us a message on, uh, on Patreon. We just, we don't want to give it away to somebody who can't end up going to the game. So you send us a message there, let us know uh, that you're available and, um, yeah, we'll we'll pick someone at random to give those two tickets to. Uh, that's at patreon.com slash Dane Moore MBA. It's a way for us to kind of uh, thank some of our uh, subscribers who, you know, make this 
work in part uh, possible to happen and all the guests and the travel and the, the shows day to day. So that's patreon.com slash Dane Moore MBA. Chris, I appreciate you coming on uh, after early shoot around and uh, doing this. And we'll, we'll talk again once you're back. Uh, in Minnesota. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Uh, until then, you can follow him uh, on Twitter at Christopher Hines. He will be at these next two games. I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. Next episode, again, nothing after the Wizards game, but Kyle and I will talk Wizards and Nets game on, on Friday morning. Until then, he's Chris. I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.